1: and we're live hey everybody welcome to the dynasty junkies podcast it's your host andrew hall at andrew hall ff with me tonight co-hosting is scott sidlow at scott underscore sidlow how you doing tonight scott
2: andrew good to be back good to be back another edition of the family here we got a another future uh dynasty junkie so i had a couple weeks off there to do that but uh glad to be back here tonight with you guys
1: that's right, and th- that was your second. So now you're 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 went
2: from uh, you know a, a cover two to kind of a man defense. How do you feel? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, yes, my 16 month old is uh, entering full toddler mode. So uh, yeah, our our defense is going to be uh, run ragged here, but but we'll uh, we'll man up. We'll figure it out. Perfect. That's good to hear. And speaking of defenses
1: getting worn out, we've got our guest tonight, Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tolls who is outmanned by your kids. How are you doing tonight, Jeff? I'm doing great. You know, it's Thursday.
3: We got some football on. We get to talk about football. You are right. I am outmanned. I have a six-week-old number three. So, girl dad times three. It is running me ragged. You know, not to discourage you at all, but uh, the one to two was a very difficult adjustment for me because, yes, that, that juggling, the no more on on our own. Two to three hasn't been as bad you're used to move it you're sticking and moving okay. and you're used to, to okay. take care of all of them at the same time so that's
2: encouraging for you depending on all right planning
3: is but <laughs> that's
2: um, the plan next is- uh yeah next one not we're gonna try for the summer again because my wife's off on this in the summer so you know it won't be next summer obviously but you uh so we got a little, little time. Very nice yeah mm-hmm.
3: yeah mine is two so we our first two okay. may, may babies and so she rolled right into being off for the summer this one Perfect. obviously was a september baby so it's a football baby but being number three and uh, she was l- willing to delay her start to her school year this time around so we kind of have a pretty good idea this is going to be it but um you
2: know, <laughs> yeah I'm good man
1: that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Got got a couple of papas on the show. I, I just have a dog with no kids. We're good. But good to have you here, Jeff. Really looking forward to chatting it up with you tonight. We're gonna to talk about some week five stuff, kind of what we saw in week five, maybe do some dynasty review, talk about some injuries, because there's god, there's a lot of them. Feels like, man, this this every year I say this feels like there's more injuries than ever. I, I think it's just what it is. It's a football game. It's it's meant to be, you know, a contact sport. So you're gonna have some injuries. So before we get too deep into the injuries let's talk about i guess i want to hear just a general idea and scott we'll start with you what was kind of your one big takeaway from week five did you have anything that you know i know you've been busy with the new kid and all but what what would you say you took away from week five that might have been different that that you expected
2: yeah um you know london london game started um and that's always like it's fun because like i'm up early with my daughter anyway so hey let's turn on some football um you know, for me, there there wasn't anything, like, specific other than kind of reinforcing some of the things that, like, like just like you were saying with all the injuries, right? Um, Devontae Booker is, is just one quick example I'd bring up as, as a, you know, microcosm of the whole point here that I'm trying to make is that these are the guys that you need to be rostering um, because it's – it's only a matter of time. One guy goes down, you know, Gino Smith, you know, like who, why is he, why are we even talking about him? And yet he comes in, he looks pretty decent, right? Um, So yeah, my, my takeaway is that one of the big things I did this, this year more than others is to not necessarily have, obviously have a lot of young guys, but also have all those handcuffs and all those backups and just have rosters full of them. And I'm looking at like, now we got London games and bye weeks and injuries. And I'm like, actually, I got guys to fill these spots, you know, because yeah. the, these injuries happen and I've already got these players. I didn't have to worry about waivers or trying to figure out how much I was going to spend on some of these guys. So my overall thing is we know the injuries are happening um, and it, and it's hitting hard. And this is right, right in the time week five. It always seems like a uh, week six, you know, these couple weeks here where we start getting heavy into the bye weeks. You gotta have those. Uh it's a small thing, but like Devante Booker is like a shining light in my life right now. Just based <laughs> on the fact that like I have him in so many leagues. And it's like, hey, I've got a probably an RB two this week, maybe even R B one this week. Yeah. It's funny that Devante Booker is the shining light of your life,
1: and you just had a kid. <laughs> so that's gotta say a lot of it. How much you like Devonte Booker? Of wow. my right. fantasy
2: life. Okay, of okay. My... I'm just giving
1: okay. you a hard time to worry right. about it. I just thought That's it was fair. too funny. I had to. So, I mean, <laughs> Jeff, were you kind of in the same vein? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Is that depth matters, or do you have something else you want to, you know, remind yourself of maybe in the future from week five? Well, first, I need to
3: fan out a little bit because my Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm, you know, I going into the Kansas City game. I had that game circled before the season. I was a little bit nervous. It, You're always worried, especially being a Bills fan, and you can probably relate being a Bengals fan. Anytime you're feeling good, you're waiting for the other shoe to fall. And Patrick Mahomes is this bugaboo with Buffalo. He beat us last year in the AFC Championship game. We traded him away. And so going into that game, it was one of those that is this guy going to own Josh Allen and the Bills forever to come out in that game and win the, the way that they did? That's my biggest takeaway. I'm thrilled about that to to knock that one off, to move forward and and just kind of feel like the franchise is in a fantastic place, just like I had a good idea they would be. But I was worried about a little bit of, a, you know, maybe this team owns us and and it doesn't seem that yeah. to be the case. I certainly yeah. can relate to injuries as well. We've all experienced that. Um, you know, I, I've played fantasy football for 20 years, but this is really my second year playing dynasty. And one of the biggest takeaways I learned last year that I've applied this year, much like Scott said, is really target those handcuff backs. When you're in these rosters that you've got 28 guys in your roster, you lose a lot of the value of like having a nine Himes or something like that, a satellite type back, because you see the the value that shifts dramatically. And we're dealing in, you know, I look at the season as four-week windows is usually how I like to try to break it down is like, I want to win this four-week window. So like when I see a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire put on IR, I think, okay, well, this is a you know, Daryl Williams or is it going to be even McKinnon, whatever breaks there. That gives me a guy in that window. And, and so I think that's the biggest thing of building the bench on these rosters. I'm the type that I like to build let have less wide receivers. I don't want these third wide receivers for teams because one, I play in some leagues where your draft pick is based upon the best ball being run in the background. So Mm. I actively avoid those guys because I don't want some guy to go off on my bench for 30 points that I don't have any idea if I'm going to play him. So I try to stick with smaller wide receiver rosters, deeper handcuff running back rosters. And that's how I've built my dynasty rosters out. And it's really paid off this year.
1: No, that's a great point, too. I mean, if you're if you're playing in a league where it's it's the you know best points, potential points and things like that, you know, having some of those monsters on your bench and not starting them. You're like, hey, I'm making the right decision for my team, but it doesn't matter. Right. If they go off, they go off yes. and handcuffed yeah. running backs almost never do until they do. Right. It's almost yes. an all or nothing. Yeah, I, I think, too, just to kind of piggyback on what you guys are both saying here, depth is always key to winning titles. Right. You got to be able to withstand the storm that we're coming through and injuries are just the first part because we're going to start to see bye weeks We're going to start to see, you know, different things happen that we can't predict. I mean, a guy, who who in the right mind would ever predict week six, you're starting Geno Smith and Devante Booker, yet here we are every year, right? This is not new. And so I think what I would say, and my takeaway to kind of even go a little deeper with that is don't, don't forget about the bottom of your roster, right? There are definitely some times, and I've, I've got a couple of leagues that are sh- shallower than others where the bottom of my roster is very different in one league than another. But I always pay attention to that bottom of the roster. If there's a guy that's hurt or that's out for the year that you don't think anyone else is going to pick up, or even if they do, it doesn't really matter. There's no flyer. There's no chance for them to increase value. And we talk about this all the time on the junkies. I know Scott's a big fan of this, you know, production value, trade value, all these things, get a guy on your roster who you think could have a spike in value. Cause then even if you're not contending, you can trade him for something. You can move them for a piece. You can trade a couple running backs. You could, I mean, again, I'm not saying this is possible or that I've seen it, but you could trade like a Damian Williams, even though he's out, you could trade like a Damian Williams, Devante Booker for Juju Smith-Schuster. You know what I mean? Like something like that could happen and you could then immediately uplift your team and kind of get something for the next year. So yeah, for sure. I think that's something we always say. And this is the perfect time of year to remind ourselves, you know, pay attention, take a look, don't get lazy, don't fall asleep at the wheel. You know, those depth pieces, those handcuffs really do matter. And I think whether you're contending or not, I always say that too. turn that bottom of your roster. Let's go find some jewels on that waiver wire. And there's no point in holding on to a guy like Cameron Brait, you know, or somebody like that. That's just like, they're, even if they spike, there's so many things that have to go right. With Devontae Booker, one thing has to happen, and it's something that's happened before, right? Like, there's some of those that happen every year. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the only other thing I would say is a takeaway from week five is my Bengals might be legit. I'm telling you, that was a hell of a game. Yeah, there was a missed kick, a fifty-seven yarder by the rookie, right? And then in overtime, he missed another one. But Crosby missed a couple too. I thought it was you, good. I did. He did too. Actually, we yeah. all did. I mean, I was there. <laughs> it was crazy. But at the same time, looking at that game and kind of watching back and watching the highlights and stuff this week, that team is is legit. Like that, they held their own. The defense stepped up. Aaron Rodgers could not do it. Everything that he wanted to do. I mean, yeah, there were definitely some drives where he put on the Aaron Rodgers hat and ran it yeah. all over, but. I'm telling you, I'm happy to see my Bengals do well. Yeah, that was a that was a welcomed change for where we've been in the past few years. So that was my one takeaway it was a homer pick. My team's doing all right. That's fine with me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and I think that you look at the Bengals, if you can score in the NFL, you're going to win a fair amount of games and that's the bottom line and and having Joe Burrow there, having those wide receivers there, having Mixon, that team can put up points and that's going to leave them in most every single game. And so that's a big key. And so yeah, I I feel like it is a great reason to be excited. So, you know, I think we see some of the teams that got off to a hot start in the AFC West, the Broncos, the the Raiders, it seems like they're really falling apart recently and so the Bengals are are lurking right there. And, and certainly, you know, we thought maybe the Colts were gonna knock the Ravens off on Monday night, but obviously the Ravens oh. pulled that one out. But it's gonna be a battle that a in that game. division. So it was crazy. Yeah, that, it was wild. Was,
1: I, these primetime games are, are just giving me life. You know what I mean? Like it's so some of these are even tonight's game is actually turning into be kind of a fun one now. We just saw Tom Brady throw an interception. Like, man, that that doesn't happen very often. Like this game could go who knows what. So yeah, I love that about this. Yeah, this this year has had some terrific primetime games. Almost every single one of them has just been, you know, start to finish worth watching. So that's always great. So we're going to we're gonna use some of that death talk we just mentioned and kind of head into some of those injuries. I know we kind of hit on some of them already, but I do want to kind of dive in a little deeper while we're here and just sort of talk a little bit about this. Um, we'll start with some of the QBs. I'll list a couple guys and then I'll kind of kick it to one of you and you can, you know, pick some of them out there, or pick another one. But some of the injuries I've noticed this week, we've got Kyler Murray, who might be limited with his shoulder. I still think he plays. Daniel Jones, he missed Wednesday, was back Thursday with a concussion. Tua Tagovailoa might be back this week. I mean, we don't know yet, but it looks like he might be trending that way. Jacoby Brissett may not play at all. He might be hurt. And then the ever-present Ben Roethlisberger on the injury report, just bad play, I think, is really what that one is. But, I mean, Scott, is there anyone on this list or any other QBs that you're worried about injury-wise? I'm not even going to bring up Russ because it's so obvious, but – any of these other little guys that we might see this week, you think you got to be looking out for?
2: Um, yeah, not really. I mean, I think um, you know Kyler's obviously been doing less running. Um, he's really been been throwing it and throwing it well. So um, shoulder injuries, you definitely want to just keep an eye on. But otherwise, you know, Daniel Jones, that definitely uh, I saw that happen. You know, that was that was a big hit. Yeah. Um, looks like he's probably going to be okay. Um, but that that offense is probably pretty screwed without him. So yeah. it's not so much him, um, you know, because he'll be back at some point. But it's all the players around him, you know. Um, and so much for Devonte Booker, right? Uh, but <laughs> no, he should hey. still he, he should still get the volume and everything. Um, you know, I I will just mention Russell Wilson really quick though, because if You know, he's going to come back this year. So it's not like he's out for the year, which makes it a little bit harder. But I was looking up some recent trades um, for some of these guys. I mean, injuries are a great time to buy players, especially 100 percent. Yep. And I saw a trade that was like Jared Goff and Michael Thomas for Russell Wilson. I don't care if you're rebuilding, retooling, competing. Well, I don't care what you're doing. Make that trade. Go get Russell Wilson, even if you need to play. Davis mills for the next four weeks until Russ <laughs> comes back. I mean, or Gino Smith for that matter, yep. seriously, like just do that trade. <laughs> like, you know, and, and my point is like, that's one trade in, in one league, right? Uh, it's probably not going to happen in yours, but my, my overall point is go get those guys, throw out some offers, look at the teams. Are they, you know, is it a competing team? That's, he needs a quarterback for the next four weeks, you know? Well, um, let me
1: ask you a question actually on that topic. I mean, is the best time to send a trade, you know, that Tuesday after the week is over or is it better to kind of let it settle in a week or two and let them panic a little longer? What do you tend to find is the most effective in your leagues? I know you got a bunch and you treat it like a value in a portfolio, which I love here. And so what is, what is your go-to logic on some of that when trading?
2: Yeah. I mean, usually uh, I, I want to be, I want to be aggressive, but I guess it kind of depends. Like, I don't want to be like, you know, <laughs> I just saw the injury. I'm going to offer the trade. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know, don't, you, know, you got to thread oh. a needle. You know what I mean? You got to kind of play yeah. it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'll in quite a few leagues this week, I waited, I kind of waited for waivers just because I knew like, let's see, does this guy go after Geno Smith. Like how hard does he go after Geno Smith? Did he throw out offers? Did he try to trade for another quarterback? Um, and obviously somebody could jump in before you, so you don't want to miss that opportunity. That's exactly Uh, what I was going to get into. Yeah, You don't want to be the first, you don't want to be last. Yeah. It it depends on your team and your situation too. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to throw something out or even just shoot a message and just be like, Hey, you know, I know he's going to be out for a little while. I've got a couple guys, you know, let me know if we can make something work or don't make a move until, you know, just. Hit me for you, you know yeah. that you've got options, you know, type of thing, and and sometimes that definitely turns into something. So so you gotta you gotta like that.
1: Yeah, Jeff, is that kind of your mentality, or you know, how do you approach trading for injured players like that?
3: Yeah, I I agree with that mentality. Um, and just open that dialogue, see where the the person is going to land, see how they're feeling about this season, how they're feeling moving forward. Um, you know, quarterbacks I feel like a little bit different, and you, you want to buy, especially in superflex. Anytime you g- can get a discount on a guy that you feel good about, go for it and sw- shoot that shot. Um, I know last I'm kind of kicking myself last year. I was in one league and I was kind of in talks with, um, somebody for Dak Prescott last year, and they mm. it was like one of those where like I worked out the deal and then he like took a slightly better deal from somewhere else like type thing like and it was like what are you doing bud and but like (laughs) i I think that that was a big window last year where you know he bounces right back and he's a top five quarterback again and teams that panic and and i do think that i think a lot of us do a good job in dynasty of having that longer term mentality but there are certainly people that panic there's people that they don't want to throw away a $30 entry or a $50 entry and they're going to get aggressive on, on those type of moves. And so I think it's great in any time again, like in the super flex, we feel good about the top guys and anytime you can get any sort of discount on them, I'd go for it.
1: Yeah, no. And last year, actually in my, in a home one QB league, I, I had Dak and uh, Stafford, I think was my backup QB and I just wasn't sold. You know, last year was a little bit iffy with the lions and who knows and all this. So I sent Dak and a, th- third, I believe for Justin Herbert. And I remember at the time, I'm like, I feel like that might be an overpay. Is this Herbert thing for real? You know, and he ended up dominating the rest of that year. It ended up being yeah. a great trade. I came in second in the league, you know? And so sometimes it's it, to kind of even say what you're saying is like, I wasn't panicking as a deck owner, but I was like, well, I'm, I'm willing to see what's out there. And the Herbert owner, you know, the manager that had Herbert was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in deck. It might's going to cost more. I'm not going to do it straight up. And he was our, you know, 0-4 or something at the time. And I was like, well, I'll throw a third. Like, why not? It's better than nothing. And yeah. he looked at my roster and he realized it's probably the best I'm going to get. You know, it seemed like a fair trade for both of us. And now he's got Dak this year and has a better record than I do this year, right? So, I mean, like, you never know. But sometimes, too, though, I, I, I my mentality is I, I like to send an offer, but I don't want it to be the offer they accept, I guess, yes. if that makes sense. I like to send an offer kind of like a shot across the bow just to be like, hey, I'm interested in this guy. It's a little low ball. I know you're not going to accept it because I'm one of those people too, that I like to send something to kind of just let them know I'm interested because sometimes messages, especially with like MFL, there's a whole bunch of chat options for some of those. And I just don't know who's doing what on those. So I'm just like, let me just send this stupid offer through MFL and it makes it easier. With sleeper, obviously it's a little easier, but even then a lot of people don't check that or don't get the notifications. So I feel like a trade is like the way to Really, put your fl- plant your flag on and be like, I am interested in this guy. I am sending something that is worth it. Now, again, it, it's not the one I'm expecting them to accept, right? But it's like, hey, here's kind of where I'm at with this. If if I wanted Russ and I was sending a, a Goff and Michael Thomas, I'd expect that to get accepted, right? So I might send something a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, if I had, if, if the guy has Russ, he's probably not accepting that, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, that's a good sending offer, is where I'm getting. Like, that's an, a little bit low ball offer that the guy might hey, you know what? I don't want to deal with this all week. I'm busy. I got real life stuff. I just had a kid. You know what I mean? Sometimes you catch people in that mode too, right? We all have lives. Yes. We've all got other things going on. And I've said this before. I think this year more than any other, a lot of dynasty players are in way too many leagues. I think a lot of us joined way too many leagues over the, the pandemic and are like kind of stressing out with weekly waivers through five weeks. And it's like, man, you know what? It gets them off my roster. I don't have to think about it. It's one less thing for me to worry about. Sometimes you can sneak one through the goalposts like that. So. That's kind of where I'm at with some of that. But yeah, I think, again, in any of these injuries, anytime there's someone who goes out, I'm probably sending an offer, if, I, if I'm contending or not, just to see what the price is, just to see how they're panicking. So, yeah, I completely agree with you guys on all of that. Uh, any other quarterbacks do you guys want to talk about injury-wise? I know that there's a whole bunch of weird things out there with quarterbacks who knows if they're going to play. You had Tom Brady's thumb, which no one was ever expecting him to miss this. So, I mean, there's a couple of those things. But is there any other quarterbacks you've heard of that are you know maybe we should discuss or get into?
3: No, but I I think Kyler Murray worries me just a little bit because we saw how dominant he was at the beginning of last year when he was like running away with quarterback one, and then he got dinged and he really fell off. And so seeing him pop up on the injury report, just with that history from last year, just kind of it puts that extra seed in your mind of like, I really hope this guy keeps this up because I've got him a couple places and I've been thrilled, and I think everybody has been thrilled with yeah. the beginning of the season. So. That's just one of those to monitor. Um, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger, it's one of those that you see him pop up there. It's, it's almost, I don't know, you know, the Steelers won a big game against Denver, but it almost feels like if they get into a situation where they start to fall out of it a little bit, is there going to be an injury that pops up, an injury that pops up that allows one of the other guys, Haskins or um, Mason Rudolph to play like that? That's the only other random thing.
1: Well, that's always the fear, right? If Ben leaves, and and we're not all—I don't think anyone on this podcast or in Dynasty is excited about Ben Roethlisberger this year, right? But no, it's not like there's an heir apparent waiting to take his role. I mean, like the guy behind him isn't exactly wowing me either. And that whole offense is is going to be bad whenever the change happens. It's already not great. I mean, there's a lot of Deontay truthers. I know Rocky's one of them. Where it's like that's got to make you nervous as a Deontay manager or even a Claypool manager. You know, something like that. or even a Najee manager. I mean, like that whole offense could be really rough this whole year. Um, I specifically avoided a lot of the Steelers heading into this year. I remember I traded away, I think I traded away a Deontay share last year just because I was like, man, I don't want to ride that train. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to deal with the Roethlisberger ride. I mean, I have him on a couple teams where I'm, I would say I'm like scraping by, and like two and three and shouldn't be contending, but could contend. And it's like, meh. I mean, it's better than not starting a quarterback in the super flex, but is it, you know, and it's like, ah. So, yeah, it's one of those weekly debates. I, I just love that battle. So, yeah, Roethlisberger is just painful to watch, and I agree with what Kyle said here, too. Just just painful to see him throw the football. You know what I mean? Like, man, I, I got to be honest. I agree, Kyle. It, there are times when I watch those games, and I'm like, man, he needs to just take a nap and an ibuprofen and just call it a day. Like, what is he doing? Oh, it's only the first quarter, too, so this is going to be a long game. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not a huge fan of Ben, but, I mean – Maybe this as I said before maybe this is just I'm not playing well injury right like oh it's it's my pec that's hurting i'm going to sit down oh yeah, probably not
2: we'll see no, but and, he's, and, he's officially toast yeah
1: yeah well and
3: i think the steelers I, I don't know. It, I kind of feel like they were in denial this offseason and adding Haskins as the backup because I kind of feel like they d- they didn't want to admit it because they didn't go out and if they would have added a guy like Tyrod and then you see in practice every day that Tyrod Taylor is out playing Ben Roethlisberger, then questions start to pop around the locker room. They made sure yeah. that they they brought in somebody young, a name that people knew, but somebody that's not going to be taking his job. It's not I a feel threat. Like what what they did not a threat you know a name that fans might say oh yeah you got I know him yeah we got that guy but this guy he's no threat
1: (laughs) it's well put yeah and I mean he's not like a Josh Rosen or someone who's kind of burned his stretch you know what I mean like has all the hype and then does nothing with it Haskins kind of had like a little bit of a redemption arc that you could write a story that says maybe this is where he does better so it's not like the worst backup but yeah that 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 team is going to be Brutal. We'll get into some of the receivers on that section, but uh, we'll kind of get into the running backs. I do want to talk about some of these bigger guys. I listed some what I would call like the top tier definite starters. And then there's like a a second tier running back, too. So we'll talk about the first group. Christian McCaffrey. Everyone's talked about him all season. Last year, he missed a bunch of games. He was still the number one running back in points per game, which I thought was hilarious. Only played in like three or four games and had 30 points per game. But he's, he's 50-50, I believe, was the last call yesterday. And then today he missed practice, and now it's kind of listed as doubtful. I mean, we don't know. It's game-time decision. There could be some gamesmanship in that, right, where it's like you don't really want to tell the other team that he's playing or not. You want to have him prepare for both. or I don't know. I, I don't know if I see the value in telling him he's not playing, right? So, like, maybe we just get him to say he's playing. But what do you guys think? Is McCaffrey coming back this week, or is it one more week? What do you think, Scott?
2: Yeah, I think I think he's going to play. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. Tough I just said. I heard yeah. <laughs> I I heard one of the beat writers just say that he he probably could have played last week and it was they were just kind of being cautious. So um I don't know. Honestly, at this point, I just uh I've never been a McCaffrey fan. I just like I don't even like him as a person, so I don't want to root for him. I don't really have any shares of him. Uh, I do have a couple, but um I just don't like i don't know it, it's always it was always going to be one of those things like he's not a big guy and yep you know running backs in general are always hurt so i just i don't like it's the whole thing everybody's always oh is he going to play you know i don't care i don't care because <laughs> yeah I, i'm just it, it it doesn't honestly it doesn't matter because they're going to put in hubbard and hubbard's going to give you the production anyway so if you have him great plug him in and not like i'm actually happier when like some of these guys miss like a Delvin cook. And I have 15 Madison shares that I get to plug. I was stoked last week when, when they said cook was going to sit out because I have like, okay, well I got to sit my two cook shares, but Hey, 15 Madison's are plugging in and I'm going to, you know, have an RB one. So um, honestly, I'd rather McCaffrey sit. Well, uh, you're right
1: for the decision-making process, right? It's easier if we know for sure, because you don't want to hobbled McCaffrey or even like a hobble Dalvin cook, which we're going to get into here. I mean, Dalvin cook is one of those guys that's had a couple of injuries. I don't call anybody injury prone in this contact sport, but he's missed some time before we've seen this before. And I mean, again, I think it's better for the team. It's better for him. If he takes the day off, I mean, there's an extra game this season. They're asking him to yeah. do a lot, much like McCaffrey. Where it's like maybe just taking the game off and letting Madison get some some tread off his tires instead is the way to do it instead of splitting the carries. I think it was week four they both played and neither one of them really did much with it. But when Cook right. sat, Mixon or Madison went off, right? Like that's what you're looking for is when it's all or nothing. I mean, Jeff, what do you think about these guys? Are you excited about either McCaffrey or Cook at this point?
3: Well, I you mentioned the gamesmanship and I'm pretty sure the Panthers play the Vikings so I wonder if there's a little bit of that going back and forth with Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey on teams on both sides are kind of playing that um and I, and I yeah you know, I think Scott brought up a great point about McCaffrey could have potentially played last week they were sitting at three and one last week and I think that you're feeling pretty good especially as a team that you know you're kind of thinking that maybe you're a fringe playoff team the Eagles are coming in the Eagles were one and three it's one of those that can we slide through this game and give this guy another week but you know when you drop that game and you drop to three and two after starting three and oh all of a sudden that shadow of going three and three and you're back from going from being a three and O team to a 500 team is a completely different conversation. And I think that amps the pressure up a little bit. I do wonder with, with the 17 game season, if we'll see what we, we've seen, you know, being an NBA fan or following the NBA, following baseball, we see load management. And so I wonder adding more NFL games on, if there's also going to be a little bit of that of like, You know It's early in the season. He could potentially go, but where's he going to end up? I think that's kind of what happened with George Kittle. And I almost wonder if TJ Hawkinson might be headed down the same type of path where Kittle had been toughing it out since week one, and they finally just said, our bye is coming up. Let's eat three games here. It gives you an entire month off. Hopefully you're back to being more productive. And so just some of those type of things that as fantasy managers, you, you don't love to see it, but at the same time, you know, you brought up a great point with Madison because, uh, as somebody that also has a bunch of handcuff shares that are much cheaper to acquire than these running, these elite running oh, back yeah. shares, y- you end up in a pretty beneficial position when some of these guys sit, and especially you're going head to head. I do kind of hope. Christian McCaffrey plays because in Scott Fishbowl I'm going up against somebody that has Chuba Hubbard and they're struggling at running back outside of that. So, so selfishly, I, I'm fine with McCaffrey playing. And I did end up in a couple of redraft leagues. I got McCaffrey. I drew the 101 and I took McCaffrey. So I, I'd kind of like to get him back in my lineup and get that production back. But um, so I'm I'm pulling for him. I hope he's out there and, and I do like watching him play. I, um, he is he's a guy that. I do enjoy, but yes, Rocky's nailing me on my zero RB, but it's working out, man. I'm four and one in SFB and you know, I have Daryl Henderson and I've got a whole lineup of other random guys that I'm squeaking by week to week, but you know, I, I like that approach.
1: Well, I mean this, this year of any year is, has been a zero RB works kind of year. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I want to say it like Yes, it, any any strategy can work if you draft the right guys. Let's be honest. Like, the, the, the idea here is just draft the right players. What? Why do we overthink this? Like, what are we doing here? Just draft the right guys. It's so easy. Um, but, no, this year especially, we've seen so many injuries early that have, have knocked players out for a couple games. But I think you hit on something that I really like, too, is that three-week IR is now a thing where it it, it yeah. makes it a little bit easier to say, like, Kittle, just go sit for three weeks, right? We're just going to give you three weeks off and it's going to be a known three weeks, which helps everyone in fantasy because it's it's not like mixing last year where every week we don't know or McCaffrey every week. We don't know. And it's like, no, you're out for three weeks for sure. We can all plan accordingly. I kind of like that. And I think teams are using that this year more liberally than they did last year because last year was kind of a new thing. Uh, but I think teams are kind of going, you know what, that isn't a bad idea that puts them out of the way. It, it, we don't have to think about it or worry about it or game plan for it or whatever. Um, and I think that also helps for for players like McCaffrey when they don't go on that three week IR, it kind of makes the fantasy mind goes, oh, OK, so they're not going to be out that long. It's only going to be a week or two. And then, I mean, we're, we might see McCaffrey here miss his third week and it's like, well, you know, should they have or shouldn't they? I mean, you can't put him on there now. You can't do it retroactively or anything like that. So we're kind of left in this limbo for the third game. But if he's not right, I agree. He shouldn't be out there. You don't want to see him get injured again or get, you know, this is the second year we've seen him have a ton of injuries and everything flows through that guy when he's on the field. So it's hard to like to put him in there halfway. It's either all or nothing. And again, I think uh, him and Cook both are kind of those those top tier guys that if they're not on the field, it matters. The team notices the defense have to has to adjust and all that. So I'd rather they sit if they're not 100 percent. And I don't think either one of them are 100 percent at this point. And yes, that does help our Chuba and our Madison shares. But long story short, you want to have these guys play all 17 games this year.
2: Yeah. And, I you know, I want to say a couple things because obviously our listeners don't care if I don't care if McCaffrey plays. Um, <laughs> but what I, what I can what I can tell you is a couple things. I really um, I, I I guess how should I say this? There's a few injury people that I follow very specifically. Um, and Ethan Turner's one of them and Edwin Porras at fantasy points. Yeah. Um, Edwin Porras, you got to follow him. He does a quick podcast as well. Um, and I'm going to, I'll find the name of it. Um, I'll, I'll look that up in a second here, but follow those guys. I mean, he's a, he's a physical therapist. He's a doctor. Like he knows he's going to talk about this from a, From that standpoint, and then he's going to give general guidelines on, you know, on average, this injury takes a couple weeks to get back to 100 percent production, Um, you know, and he's going to look at it that way. The other thing, though, is that you have to kind of take some of these things with a grain of salt, because, again, they're they're working on statistics, probability, the likelihood, because they don't know and nobody knows. The player doesn't even know in most cases, right, whether they can really go out and do it. Um, but something sticks in my mind from many, many years ago, I was actually in Cincinnati. Um, I was at a Bengals jets game. Marvin Jones had four touchdowns in that game. Oh, I um, remember that game. And, uh, <sighs> yeah. And, and so I believe, I don't, I don't know if the game was, uh, I, cause that was a noon game I was at, but I don't remember if the game was simultaneous or if it was a night game, but that was when Jimmy Graham was with the saints. And he was he was banged up. He had some injury. I think it was a foot, um, something like maybe a groin, a foot, something like that. Where you know he was going to be real limited. And I remember this was back when like ESPN Fantasy Focus was like the only thing that I you know this is pre Dynasty for me, uh, or maybe I was in like one league at that point. And Stefania Bell was like, oh. Yeah, yo. I mean Jimmy Graham, I mean even if he plays, he can't move. He's not going to be able to do anything, you know, blah 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 blah. So I I benched him. And yeah, he couldn't run, but he he stood in the end zone and and he caught like three touchdowns. So he had like four catches for 13 yards and three touchdowns or something like that. And I was like, um, okay. So my whole thing is I will never I'm never going to sit those guys. So if they're starting and they're a stud, they're, they're going in my lineup and whatever happens, happens. Uh, All it takes is one play. I know with a running back, it's sometimes a little bit different, but you know, a wide receiver, he can, he can catch one pass and eight points is better than, you know, two or whatever you're going to get from Deshaun Jackson or something. If you, you know, if you're throwing him in your lineup. So, so my point, my whole overall theory with, some of these studs, McCaffrey, cook, whoever, any of these guys, you know, they say, start your studs. Well, start your studs if they're playing, because I don't care if they're going to be a decoy or whatever, but them going off on your bench, uh, man, I, it, nothing, nothing it's is more annoying, feeling. Yeah, you know, than when you could have had them in your life. So to me, it's just like, that's the unfortunate thing of, you know, Oh, I don't know if he's going to play. It's questionable, whatever. And then you have a London, you have a Thursday night game that you could have played somebody. And then you had a London game you could have played somebody. And so, I mean, sometimes you just have to make the best decision. But for the most part, I'm just going to say, listen, if he's questionable, I'm I'm probably going to just roll with him. Hundred percent agree.
1: Yeah, I I would much rather ha- start my stud and have him get three points like Cook did in week four than bench cook and have him get 73 on my bench or something crazy. You're like, God, that's, I overthought it. You know what I mean? Like, why did I double think that, you know? And and I always say this too: process over results. We're all big fans of that. Right. The process says Dalvin cook is a beast. I get that he's hurt, but if the team trusts him, so do I, I'm in like, let's not overthink it. Right. You know, I've got 15 lineups or whatever to set. I'm not going to sit there and agonize over every single one. It's just like, what's the process say? just because the results don't pan out does not make that a bad process does not mean you did something wrong. And I think this is something that any, any of us that are, you know, analysts or experts, and I put big quote fingers around all those things, anybody that gives advice on this type of topic, ultimately what we're all doing is like what we would do, but it's your team, right? Make that decision. If you disagree and you can't stand to get three points in your lineup and you want to put in a backup, go for it, knock yourself out but you're in charge of your team, not anybody else. Right. Absolutely. And that also means that sometimes asking for advice can be like a confirmation thing. Like, am I on the right track? Or am I missing something here? But sometimes it's literally an excuse for people to be like, well, you told me to sit. Like, no, that's not what happened here. You hit the button, you hit submit. Right. And I'm, I'm, but I'm right there with you, Scott. I mean, running backs, especially, it's hard for me to bench any stud running back at this point, there aren't that many of them. So it's like, really, how, how do we want to play this game? Do I want to draft a good running back and then not play them because I think they might not get a lot of points, That's not how fantasy works, right? And, I mean, Jeff, I think you're kind of on the same page here, but do you have any thoughts on this kind of topic before we move to wide receivers?
3: No, and I I think especially running backs. If a running back is going to be out there, I feel like they're going to touch the ball. I do kind of – I would wonder statistically if there's a breakdown because it does kind of feel like – we saw last week with A.J. Brown where it does feel like if there's wide receivers that are are very, very iffy, those are more likely to – be decoys it seems like than a running back whereas like if the running back is active i assume he's gonna go and usually i kind of feel like with the running back it's the type of thing where maybe he's on a pitch count but then football coaches are football coaches and if the guy is saying i'm feeling good coach i'm feeling good He's gonna keep going, I think. In most instances, unless uh, there's a rare instances where they'll be like, "Well, no, you know, Christian McCaffrey is running great and he's feeling good, but we decided he's only gonna to touch the ball ten times, so he's done." I, I don't feel like that happens in because coaches want to win and you know players want to win too, but mm-hmm. I do kind of I would lean more towards the side of caution on wide receivers because it does kind of seem like more often there. If you've got a very iffy guy, you might just be out there. We saw DeAndre Hopkins a couple of weeks ago where he was very iffy and he went and he I think he made caught two balls or something like that. And it does kind of feel like we saw it last week with A.J. Brown, where he was iffy and he went and he was just kind of a decoy out there.
1: Yeah, no. And you're exactly right. I think you're you're on the right track there, too. Running backs almost never become decoys because if they're in, they're going to get rid and that's why they're in. But yeah, receivers, you can go and, you know, make a fake block, be somebody on the outside to distract, get someone out of the box, much easier to be a decoy. I a hundred percent agree with you. And on that note, I think we'll get into some of the wide receivers. Obviously there are tons of guys that are injured. You don't come to this podcast for injury roundup. We're not here for news. It's just more to talk about some of these guys and see what we're doing with them in dynasty. And I mean, you kind of hit on one there, and it's someone that I know has been a decoy, but Julio Jones, right? He's coming up, maybe trying to get back in the game this week to play alongside AJ Brown. I mean, this is kind of one of those things too where if i have julio jones on a roster it's most likely a contending roster right if i'm not contending i probably have moved on long ago if i didn't think i had a chance this year i probably decided hey time to time to make a move and get what i can for him right but i've got julio on a couple rosters where i've just accepted he's gonna you know for lack of a better term die on my roster right like i'm just gonna go down with the ship and Julio's the guy for me i mean what other players, I guess, are out there that are like that? I know T.Y. Hilton might be coming back this week, too. Are there any other like aging vets that we tend to just, I don't know, ride or die? Let's see how it goes and, and kind of ride off into the sunset. Jeff, we'll start with you. Do you have any of those guys that you can think of on your rosters that, you know, like Julio that are going kind to of hurt in and out, but you just keep them on there? Well, I got Burt for the last several years
3: with AJ Green kind of treating him the same way where like it was one of those like I'm going to keep playing with this fire. Like it's just, you know, I've played fantasy long enough and like I saw AJ Green. He came in that same draft class with Julio Jones and I was always infatuated with AJ Green. And and I've spent the last couple years watching AJ Green sit on my not even I think one year it wasn't even IR spot, but like you kind of. He's just lingering there, not doing anything. So that's a guy that I've certainly been there with him. Um, I am a, a sucker for these names that, um, you know, I, I need a little bit more Belichick in me where, I, like, I'm just going to cut bait. <laughs> Julio is the guy that I did get out on, though. I had him in one league, and it just kind of said – I just I just think he's kind of done, um, to be honest with you. It's just one of those that it, – it, I feel like this off season maybe presented the last good opportunity to get out of him. If you're going to get out on him, um, it didn't turn out great for me, the trade that I did. Cause I, I traded him for, um, I was big on John Smith, and so it was a tight at premium league and I traded him for Johnu Smith and for Dwayne Eskridge another guy that I like and so it was one of those where it was like this is probably the best that I'm going to get for this guy at this point and I believed in Johnu, and that's not working out for me but nah, the guy that traded yet. for yeah. Julio <laughs> you know yet. the guy that traded for Julio that's not working out for him either so you know we're there all in those silver linings <laughs> it's, <Sorry. laughs> it's it's just so funny with trades like how, how you agonize over these things and then like like I did one deal where I traded it was like Tua and Ayuk and I got back Deshaun Watson and I got back um, Curtis Samuel. And it was one of those, like we went back and forth and then it's like halfway into the season. We're like, we all got nothing out of this. Like- yeah.
1: <laughs> None of those players really matter that much. Yes. Yeah. What, what are the odds?
3: No, but it's just, oh. it's funny how trades work out that way.
1: No, oh, I love that. Scott, what do you think about that? Any of these older guys that you're, you know, holding on to too long? Anyone you can remember that you got out on at the right time? <laughs>
2: Yeah. You know what? It's more, it's more league dependent than anything. Um, I mean, Julio's definitely dying on all my rosters and I, I don't care. Um, I love Julio and he can die on my rosters because you just can't get anything for him. So um, I'm, I'm finding a few guys right now uh, or even the last couple of years, Odell Beckham and uh, Kenny Galladay. You cannot get anything for those guys. I mean, you yeah. can't give Beckham away. People be like, well, pay me to hold him on my roster. You know, like give me a third with him so I can waste a <laughs> roster spot. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. so bad at this point with some of these guys. So, um, unfortunately, you know Landry's kind of in that category too. Uh, mostly, I think because of the injury now, but might have been able to trade him um, for the season. Then. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, mostly, I mean, the just mostly receivers. Enough. I mean, running backs. I'm moving on from ASAP. You know, well, I think that
1: the main difference you know. is that running backs—you don't tend to get a lot of older running backs because those the True. older like Todd Gurley's or things like that—they get moved around so much after that True. first contract is over. With receivers, I feel like there's a little more hope. You know, they, they've got a lot a longer lifespan again with quote fingers, right? You've got guys like Julio and AJ Green that are still kind of kicking up dust. I mean, AJ's had a better year this year than I expected because I I thought he was dead, right? I thought he was done. I thought he was toast, <laughs> and he's actually catching the ball and getting touchdowns. I remember that that was three years ago. Um, and Julio missing time with injury, of course, but he's still Julio when he's on the field, right? He's still distracting the defense and, and earning some targets. So I think that's the main difference. And even T Y Hilton, I'm curious to see what he does when he gets back. I know Michael Pittman's been, been stomping the field and been their wide receiver one, but Hilton could still vie for some of those targets, right? He could, you know, still be one of those guys that we start to, you know, pick back up or get for thirds and leagues and things like that. If you're, content. he might help
2: Pittman. If he can stretch the field, if he's still got his speed, it might help that offense a little bit. So. The guy yes, that I am hoping he helps, sake.
3: I'm hoping he helps Paris Campbell. We we saw last week Paris Campbell started to do a little bit, and they've been running yeah. him outside. But I think Paris Campbell is a guy that needs to be inside in the slot, slot. running him more there. And so adding T.Y. Hilton to the outside, my hope is that it helps Paris Campbell as the main beneficiary there.
1: I have so much Paris Campbell. I would love that. That would be great. I drafted him in a couple leagues in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, he was going to be the guy. And I just have held on, partially because you can't get anything for him now. But in some other leagues, I was able to, to acquire him pretty cheap for running backs or things. You know, just like, hey, I'll take him. Let's see what happens. And, I mean, on that same vein, one of the other guys I've got on a couple rosters still is Nikhil Harry. Like, just let's see what happens. Maybe this is the – okay. Maybe this is the, no. Maybe this that. is the – no. Please just go
2: nothing. somewhere else. Please. Yeah. Please. I, I watched
3: – I was watching the Patriots, uh, the uh, Tampa game, and I watched that game, and I'm like, who's this tight end that they're lining up out (laughs) wide? Like, number one, this tight end. And I was like, oh, that's Nikhil Harry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Remember all the hype about him, though? He was, like, the clear number one over DK Metcalf because he couldn't run the shuttle, and everybody's like, oh, dks he looks good, but he's not going to be great. I tell you what, there are so many times in Dynasty, at rookie drafts especially, that we are just bold wrong, like, just all the way wrong. But you can't tell. You just go with the data you have and see where... I think landing spot matters a lot more to wide receivers, too, because with running back, it's almost like wherever they land, they're probably going to get a chance. I mean, ETN had a chance until he got hurt. You know, Harris obviously comes right in and goes. It almost doesn't matter as much, I think. And I'm oversimplifying it. But with receivers, it's like you really have to get the right kind of opportunity. You have to be the right kind of receiver in the right system. There's a lot more to learn, I think, too. It's just. It's brutal seeing some of these receivers, but I, I do want to pivot a little bit and talk about some of these other receivers. And we actually had a question about this next one I wanted to bring up was, was yeah. Mike Williams. And, and Ridley Truth, or one of our favorites on the DAP network, was, was chiming in. What are your thoughts on Mike Williams' dynasty value? Was big on him this offseason and have a ton of shares, some keeping to contend, but others I'm dipping out of because of record. But at least a first... And Scott, I'll kick it to you first. What are your thoughts on Mike Williams? Did you expect this kind of breakout wide receiver one overall? I mean, is this something you want to get out of or is, do we ride this lightning?
2: Yeah, I mean, no no one expected it, but um, for him to be healthy, it's a new offensive system, which remember a lot of times we're like, oh, a new offense. What's going to happen with these guys? Well, sometimes that's an opportunity for the guys who have been kind of on the outs and uh when when we heard that williams was going to be the x receiver in this offense i thought oh boy he's he might actually have a shot to be relevant not like great <laughs> like he's been but at least be relevant you know and uh i was fortunate to pick up a few shares pretty cheap Uh very happy about that obviously um i looked on the dlf trade finder to see if there was anything uh that interested me there's a lot of um Williams for a first and second uh, Williams for a 23 first, which is obviously very trendy right now. Like everybody's got to be in the 23 class. Um, I I wouldn't do any of those, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I believe this is Mike Williams fifth year. Um, so he either is going to have to be re-signed there, uh, or he's going to go somewhere else. Either way, I'm just gonna take the gamble on it. If he sticks with Herbert and they're gonna stay in this offense at least for a couple of years, depending on um, unless they completely tank from this point. Obviously, they're looking very good, so uh, I'm gonna roll with him. I, I wouldn't trade him. I mean, why are you gonna why are you gonna give him up for dart throws? Uh, I'm I'm never never a fan of that unless it's last resort rebuild. There's nothing else you can do, and by moving those points off your roster, you're gonna get a better you know draft pick. Right. then okay. But again, last resort, I don't want to get rid of him yet. He's still, he's still relatively young. He's got an opportunity to kind of take over, uh, from Keenan Allen, who's old now. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm I'm not going to move him based on some of these trades that I see here. If, if you really had to, um, I, I mean, I, I would, I would shoot pretty high. You know, um, yeah. I would be looking at like AJ, Brown, you know, package for like an AJ Brown or something like that, throw oh, in a second yeah. and, and go for, you know, a Brown, but I'm, I'm not going to take any of these future picks.
1: Yeah. And I think you're, you're, you're on the same track that I would be where it's, you know, let's, let's try to tear up. Let's try to take this and ride the hot hand as a trade value. Um, again, though, if you, if I'm contending, I probably want that guy on my roster, right? Like if yeah. I'm like four and one, five and oh, something like that. It's going to take a lot to pry him out of my roster because that, that guy's a starting lineup every game right now. And there's really no reason not to. You know, there's nothing he's shown us uh, outside of the injury we could not foresee anyway to, to make me bench him. Right. Like that's not something you can predict. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. If, if you can do that kind of trade and make a move to a contender that, you know, isn't uh, isn't happy with A.J. Brown's production, that's a fine trade, I guess. Jeff, what do you think about Mike Williams, though? Is that kind of in the same vein where you are? Or are you OK with getting just a single first and calling it a day? No, I I love Mike Williams. I was all in on him this summer. He was
3: one of the guys that I really liked. You know, you hear the talk about him moving to the X. You really, if you look at the profile, I I mean, so he's 26 years old. He was, I think, like the number four pick in the draft. He had a thousand-yard season in his past. He had a 10-touchdown season in his past. I, I mean, if you add these things up that if you were like drawing blind and you say, hey, I've got this guy, he's wide receiver number one, he's 26, he went top five in the draft, he's had over a 1,000 yards, he's had 10, 10 t- touchdown season, like you're all in on that guy. And, and right. so I think that that's – and, you know, he's tethered to Justin Herbert and, you know, I think Scott mentioned Keenan Allen's kind of the sliding scale going the other way, that's the guy that I would be concerned about maybe getting out on if I'm getting out on somebody, that's a guy that um, I've had. Some people ask me questions about acquiring Keenan Allen. And that's not a guy that I would be actively looking to acquire right now, but I, I love what we're seeing from Mike Williams and I'm willing to ride that. Um, I did. I did trade him in one league. I started out, um, I started out. Oh, and three and I had him and it was a deal where I had him. I had Saquon and I got back um, nausea. got back waddle. I got back Robert Woods, and so it was one of those where it was like, you know, it was early. Like, I wasn't sure, like, you know, riding the lightning or whatnot, but Dynasty, obviously. And is this going to be the window to get out on these guys and and to go young on this other direction? But I do have them in other Dynasty leagues that I'm happily riding along with.
1: Well, and you're hitting the nail on the head there with Keenan Allen. It's almost like whether you're a contender or a rebuilder, he's he's just kind of an avoid no matter what, right? Like, yes. it's hard to value him because uh, Williams has done just so much this year. And, and through five weeks, Williams is the wide receiver one in most formats. Uh, that means Keenan can't be. You know what I mean? Like, you, if you're one, there's no one better than you. <laughs> and I think Keenan is kind of seeing that, that that decline. But there is still some potential there. And it's like in Dynasty especially. Like, I, I have Keenan on a roster where it's like kind of in the middle and I want to trade them away, but no one's really giving me fair value. They're all trying to buy them low and I don't blame them. I would do the same, but it's like, I don't get offended at those. I just go, oh, I have to decline that. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? But every week that goes by is one less week to get out. And I think sometimes in, in this is the time is, this is the time of year where I always take a look at it. And I just actually published an article on fantasy pros about this, my weekly renovation series, where I said, you know, you really have to pick a direction after five weeks. Like if you're one in four, Yeah, you can pull it off, but you really got to catch lightning in a bottle in a really odd way to have that happen. If you're one and four, take an honest to God look at your team and be like, are you top three in points? Are you, you know, top three in points against? And that's why you're at one and four. And like, is there do you have Michael Thomas coming back? And that's the missing piece, which I don't think is gonna be it, right? But like some of those those questions you really have to analyze your your whole league. And I think if you're at that bottom spot and not really looking to turn it around. I would probably then trade low and send Keenan Allen away for something, you know, you, before it goes any further. Because in all honesty, we, we know we play this game kind of like a stock market. I know that's how Scott plays a lot of this. And you don't want to buy too high and you don't want to sell too low. But sometimes it's best to sell and get out of it and take a pick or something that you know isn't going to decline in asset value. And so that's it's tough. Those Los Angeles receivers right now, I mean, anybody tied to Herbert, I'm a fan, but Allen's a wide receiver too at best right now. And that's yes. not a bad thing. That's still got value, but he's not the wide receiver one on his own team anymore. It makes it tough. It makes it tough. But the only other receiver group I wanted to talk about, we kind of hit on it before, but those Pittsburgh wide receivers, right? What are we doing with these guys? I mean, Juju, we kind of hit on before. Uh, Chase Claypool's a year two receiver. He's kind of got some hot and cold streaks. He's He's been all over the place and a lot of people love him. Obviously, Deontay, I don't think anybody's worried about Deontay. You got James Washington, who's kind of hurt, but still plays a little. I mean, I get I me mean, to kick it back to you, Jeff, what do you think about these receivers? What are you doing with uh, with Juju, for instance? Are you selling him? Are you buying him? Where are you at with him in times? I
3: think he he's a hold. I mean, I, I have a yeah. hard time. You know, if you can buy him for maybe the right, but, like, it worries. I think looking back in hindsight, maybe we all should have raised a red flag when he didn't want to go play with Patrick Mahomes. Like, I, I think that was the type of thing of, like, what are you doing, bud? Like, and so... <laughs> Um. Yeah. you know it's you you can't sell him I mean what are you going to get for him you know he's still a 24 year old wide receiver who's had a wide receiver one season in his past but
1: I've got some of the trades pulled up because I was curious I looked at this earlier today I actually before I even do that I sent out a poll I think it was yesterday where it's like which would you rather have a random 22 second like we're not counting early or mid or late just a random 22 second or Juju Smith Schuster and it was almost 50-50 which blew my mind where it's like that that in my mind, it should be Juju, right? Like that should clearly be Juju. But yeah. the second round pick has some value to people. There are a lot of dart throws in the second round, but you got to get lucky. But I'm, I've got this trade finder pulled up and there's one that just, I can't help but shake my head at it. Straight up Juju for Kenneth Gainwell. And I'm like, I, man, that is selling low on Juju. If I've ever heard of it, like you must be just wide receiver heavy and, and just done with Juju at that point. There's a couple others. Like there was this other one, Juju and a 23 first for Rondale Moore, James Washington and a 22 third. So Juju and a first for more pretty much like, my God, that's a good trade. I would love to take that. You know what I mean? Like give me the Juju in first sight all day. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? So like, these are obviously just random leagues. There could be a whole bunch of newbies in these. These could be people that don't care. don't know what they're doing. There could be other settings. We don't know. But again, just seeing some of these is just like how far he has fallen. I mean, Scott, does any of this make sense to you? Are you out on Juju or does this seem like a, a good time to buy maybe?
2: Ah uh, man, yeah, I, I agree with I all don't... of
1: that grunt by the way. that is exactly the right response. Yeah. Go ahead, guys.
2: yeah, I don't I don't know what to do with Juju. Fortunately, I don't have a ton of shares. Um, I did really, really like him coming out and obviously, just the start to his career was like, wow, this guy's the next, you know, stud. Right. Um, yeah. but since then, I mean, how much of it has been, you know, cause I, people wanted to blame big Ben and I was like, yeah, but look what Deontay Johnson's doing. And then, you know, oh, look, Claypool's having these games, you know? And so it's like, ah, you know, all right, well, I don't know that we can, we can blame that. Um, is isn't Juju you know, the
1: slot guy? Doesn't that help a guy that can't throw? Like, isn't that the, the yeah, ideal I, position I for Ben? I, I just yeah, I don't get I don't, it. I don't get yeah. it.
2: I don't get it. And it's two offenses now, right? Because they have a new OC this year. Yep. And so two two in a row where he's like 8.6 yards per route, which is like half of what he Oof. was previously. Oof. So, I mean, he's not even running. Like, you know, I don't even know what he's doing. Like, he's just running slants <laughs> all day. I mean, I, I guess. so yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what what to think there um i mean i really got to dig into some stats on that but i just I, he wants to stay in pittsburgh which is you know good for him like whatever if that's what he wants to do with his life that's fine you know if you love pittsburgh and you want to stay there that's cool man like do it but it i mason rudolph or whoever whatever their future plans are i mean it's just not going to work for me so um I don't, I'm, I'm not interested in buying him. I mean, if you want to buy him, yes, this is, this would be the time because his value from now, we're the furthest point away from him playing again right now is the furthest yeah. we are away from him playing again. The closer we get to him playing the, you know, the more his value will rise. I'm not saying it will be a, a large rise, but, it, it will increase as we get closer to him getting back on the field. So if you want to buy now is the time. Um, but I'm, I'm probably not to be honest with you.
1: Well, I mean, just putting it this way, which would you rather have Juju or Kenny Gainwell?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm still taking Juju there. It's right. Not, like some of these close. trades are
1: just ridiculous yeah. to me. Like the, I mean, there's yeah. a difference between I'm not buying and I will gladly take that price. You know what I mean? Like I'm not right. actively seeking him out. If I, if I had Kenny Gainwell, and I got that trade in my inbox, smash accept on that. Like, I don't like Juju, but that's a terrific value turnaround. Like, I don't mind that. I can find someone else who's willing to pay more than Kenny Gainwell for him in a week or two. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm at with it. Just looking at the valuation, that seems bonkers. There's no production in Juju's future for this year. He's done for the year, as far as we know. He's out. Right. So his production is going to be next year, if anything. And honestly, we don't even know where that's going to be, right? He signed this one-year deal to stay in Pittsburgh. Maybe he does leave and goes somewhere else next year, Right. But I just feel like Juju has seen that that star has fallen. He was the next wide receiver one overall, and now he's maybe not even in the top 100. It's just nuts. It's just nuts to see how crazy that has cratered his value. Uh, The only other one I wanted to bring up there was was Claypool, and a slightly different topic. Claypool's kind of going the other direction, right? He's ascending still. I think Claypool's got some definite value upside coming, but I mean... I definitely think I value Claypool more than Juju. I don't think that's crazy to say, but I guess, Jeff, where do you value Claypool? Is he somebody you're targeting? Are you kind of waiting to see how this offense shakes out, like we said before, or kind of where are you at with that?
3: He might be the best buy in Dynasty right now, if you really think about it. Because, uh, so just one real point on Juju when I watch the Steelers, you you don't notice Juju on the field. Like you notice Mm Deontay Johnson doing things, and you notice every time Chase Claypool's out there, you don't notice like juju and it's and so i think that this is great for claypool's potential that you clear the target out because i do think that ben is comfortable working with juju even if it's not exactly productive and this is going to kind of shock him out of his comfort zone there a little bit and we saw the production that claypool is capable of last year in the big games and so yeah, I, I think that he might be – he's a fantastic buy right now, and, and he's a guy that probably, probably would be aggressively targeting, and maybe when I get off this I'm just going to go and send some trade offers for Chase Claypool if anybody's worried and wants to get out. And it, it's one of those that if you're worried about Ben Roethlisberger or if you're worried about how the targets are going to shake out and, and how his production has been so far this season, obviously he had a bigger game this week, so his first real decent production. But um, it, it seems like he'd be a good guy to target.
1: What do you what do you thinking you can get? Like, what do you think you could send to get Claypool? Like, wh- wh- I guess you're targeting him. What are you sending? Is it something like a, a package up to get him? Is it more like a, a player and a pick? I mean, just where are your thoughts? I guess when you build a trade like that, what do you first go to? I like to, I'm a package guy. I like to th-
3: I like to throw some eye candy at you and and see if there's something that um, I can I can pull. And it's the way, that's just the way my mind works when I'm doing fantasy trades. Is like I'm I'm trying to work a package and you know pull that one piece out and and so and just kind of continued that roster churn like you mentioned at the beginning of the show how roster churn is so important and i'm always just trying to keep capitalizing on on the bigger pieces and to continue to to build up and continue to turn it up and so that would be it really, I don't know. I'm, I'm so bad at saying like, what would you offer? Cause everything's so dependent. it's impossible.
1: I know. It, it's yeah, not a real it's, question it's because like, it's, it's so league dependent and, and team dependent and and yeah. timing dependent. Right. I'm just saying Individual, that's kind of why manager, I like
3: manager player dependent. Yeah. So yeah.
1: And I, I liked your answer because it is, it is, it is a little bit more of a feel it's, it's more of an art than a science trading. I always say that too. like calculators are the science version of it and they break it down in numbers and it sort of takes the emotion out of it. There's a lot of emotion in trading. I mean, maybe not in the way Scott trades where it's all value, but most of us that do this a lot of the times are looking at it like, I don't like this guy. I do like that guy. That feeling matters, right? So I guess, I mean, with that in mind, Scott, what do you think Claypoy? Is it someone you're targeting? Is it someone you're avoiding? I mean, is it a hold if you have him? What do you think?
2: Um, Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm under on him. Uh, I didn't have a lot of him coming out or, you know, when he came out last year. Uh, basically I was willing to take him like if he made it to the third, um, if, if he didn't, then I wasn't willing to use my second on him just because I was taking so many, you know, uh, Pittman's and Gibson's and all those guys. So,
1: um,
2: yeah, I don't have a lot. I'm definitely willing to get him. I don't know if I'll be targeting him specifically, but he's, he's, uh, I think the kind of player that will succeed in any offense or regardless of who the quarterback is just because he can make those plays of whether it's, you know, just like a a quick screen and he takes it to the house or a jump ball and he can go up and get it. Like he's, he's just the type of guy that can make plays. So um, I'm cool with having him on just about any roster. Um, and I think maybe, you know, after this conversation, I think he's got to be more in the forefront of our minds of, you know, when I'm making moves, uh, who would I like to bring back? And so actually, now that I'm thinking about it even more, um, I'd like to maybe try to move guys like uh, Lockett um, or some of those guys just as they get older, Keenan Allen, something yeah. like that. So can I add a second and, and get a Claypool, something like that? Uh, I'd be cool with. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely open to, to acquiring more.
1: No, I think that, that that's uh, that's something that Jeff hit on, too, which I think is you were kind of saying, too, he's, he's quarterback agnostic almost. I mean, I don't see him being very dependent on on Ben or Haskins right. or whoever. It, it, and that's kind of where maybe you can strike while the iron's hot, where some some Claypool manager out there might be looking at this like, oh, man, I, like I was saying, before, I don't want on this ride. I, I don't want on these Steelers. I, I kind of went out. Maybe not catch him panicking. That's not the right term, but catch them concerned catch them at a weak moment where they might make a decision and purely on emotion and not on fact and say, I don't want any Steelers on my roster. And I think we've all kind of had those chats or those, those, those messages where it's like, I'm done. I'm out on Steelers. Send me offers. Right. We've all seen those things where just after a bad game or I know, especially after Monday, man, I swear there was somebody in my, in one of my leagues in one of the chats that was like, you know, I, I will pay whatever it takes for Lamar Jackson, you know, like that table talk kind of thing. And there, <laughs> a deal has not been done yet, but like we all get in our fields, you know what I mean? Like I, I lost because of so-and-so I'm done or I'd lost because they outscored me. I want that guy. And it just, sometimes that's when you can make an, make an, I guess a concerted effort and make that target a little bit more clear and be like, all right, now's my time to strike. So, and that's another reason I said to just pay attention to your league. Right. Take a look at, see who's got Claypool in your leagues, plural, because we all have plural, let's be honest. But like, take a look at who's got Claypool, see what their record is. If they're 5-0, and they may not be willing to move them. You know, if they're 2-3 and and struggling in the middle and don't know which way to go, maybe a first will do it, right? Maybe you could send that hype 23 first that everybody's looking for, and just like, I'll send you a first and a, I don't know, Emmanuel Sanders, or so, you know what I mean? Like, pick a, a bench player that you don't care about, and it upgrades your roster, you get rid of that 23 first, and – I guess that is a, a good segue, as good as any. But I guess before we get into find me a trade, I do want to mention this or bring this up. I know we got Jeff on. Jeff's a lot more into Debbie than I am. I, I Scott, I don't know how many Debbie leagues you're in if you do a lot of Debbie at all. True. There you go. So I, I'm in one, which is is nice and I've enjoyed it, but I'm not great at it. But Jeff, I want you to kind of just real quick for us, and we don't get I don't need to get too into weeds, but Is the 22 class that bad and is the 23 class that good? Is this hype legit or is this kind of overblown Twitter sensation, not reality?
3: So do you like there's no wrong answer here?
1: (laughs) Do you like wide
3: receivers or do you like running backs um, would be right now is the way it's looking right now. The 22 class is looking really good with wide receivers that Traylon Burks. He looks like he's going to be a stud. David Bell's yeah. looking good at Purdue Garrett Wilson at Ohio state. I really like oh. Chris Olave. I'm, I'm biased there. Um, so <laughs> the wide receivers in the 22 class, I think I, I feel pretty comfortable that they're going to stack up with um, last year or, you know, you know, a, a normal wide receiver draft running backs are concerned um isaiah spiller is probably the top guy right now some people like Brees hall um there there's just kind of it really falls out kenneth walker is a guy that right now is rising up boards a little bit he kind of reminds me of michael carter um to mm. kind of put that and see you in your mind the michigan state running back he's currently leading the nation in rushing um quarterbacks are pretty shallow coming in um you know, people like Malik Willis, if Malik Willis catches draft capital and he lands in a good spot, he's going to be a guy that is going to, you know, he'll he'll ignite you for, I think Jalen um, Hurts is probably a good comp for him at the NFL level mm-hmm. that you can think of what fantasy terms, if he were to hit uh, Matt Coral is a guy that another guy that people are really getting yes. in on um, Spencer Rattler, the bottom kind of fell out oh, of yeah. him. And so that's a guy okay, that yikes. people are looking forward to. And he's just out. Uh, I, I was hoping out. you'd
1: bring him up. Yeah. Like that, yeah, that whole yeah, thing he's, this past he's week done. was nuts. So,
3: yeah. You now He's done. Um, Sam Howell <sighs> would be the other name that is on my mind that he kind of reminds me of Baker Mayfield, that type of player. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he just kind of in that mold where he's productive and he'll probably catch pretty good draft capital, but he's not, I don't know. Baker's not there for fantasy where what we saw maybe coming out of oklahoma that we hoped for so it's one of those that i think the top half like everybody's gonna fall in love with guys because that's what happens and so like the reality of it is but if i'm in the bottom half of my first uh, i just did a trade today i traded i'm i'm four and one in a league and i'm third in points and i'm kind of shallow at running back I traded my first and my second and I got Aaron Jones back
1: because it was one of those great trade.
3: Yeah. yeah. So like I had Barkley and I got Aaron Jones back and like my, my team is it's an old team. And so part of me was thinking like, well, I've got to hold on to that first, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm in this window. I did lose Russ in that league, but I've got um, Carson Wentz is one of my quarterbacks. And I've got um, a couple other guys that are kind of, getting me by a little bit. So that was one where it was like, uh, this is right now it's looking like the ninth, 10th pick in the draft. And so I'm willing to do that just because I needed a running back. Um, But again, it's, I think the top half, you know, people are going to talk themselves into Isaiah Spiller is showing that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And so that's a guy that people will talk themselves into. But again, the 23 class, the biggest thing on that DJ Uli Angelele is falling; the bottom's falling out in him too, and so that was the yeah, guy that people happened? were really looking. I don't yeah. know, and, and so he just might not be that good. And then um, Bryce, but Bryce Young's going the other way, the Alabama quarterback, and people. But that's the guy that he's he's not bringing the Konami like side mm-hmm. to it right now. He's not running the ball. But really where the 23 class is is running backs. I mean, it is Tank. absolutely loaded in running backs. It's got, yeah, Tank Bigsby, Bajon Robinson is gonna be the guy yeah. that I think I, I make the argument that Bajan Robinson might be the dynasty running back one right now in value. And just wow. you know, people that are into that right now, just because I think that that colors where the league is at running back right now with kind of some of these guys aging out, but or just like miles
1: Sanders, not doing anything with their opportunities. Yeah. And you know, you know, there's just so many question like, marks. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Zachary Evans is a guy I really like at TCU. Uh, there, There's a lot of these guys that the Jamil Gibbs is, you got to mention him too. So that's the biggest thing right now is do you need a wide receiver or do you want to go for a running back? And so that kind of, colors where i'm standing with the classes oh i like that
1: breakdown i like that yeah that, that makes it make sense it makes it kind of easier to digest but overall i mean again in a vacuum let's take some of that out of it would you say that a 23 first is worth more to you than a 22 first or vice versa i mean where are you at with that kind of debate valuation wise in trades
3: the 23 first is the Bajan the Robinson lottery. And so if you're trading 23 first, you're just buying tickets to that. That, And I think that, and, and maybe you'll end up with a decent running back that you're happy with. But I think that right now is what you're seeing. And that's kind of, I think that's the unsaid thing about it is that you're buying a ticket to that lottery by going for the 23 first versus the 22
1: first. Gotcha. And so that's worth it, to you. The upside is more, right? The b john robinson is is a kind of generational talent then, if he's a dynasty white running back one, like that's someone that you know, people like are a Barkley or McCaffrey, him, right?
3: Yes, people are putting yeah. him in that Barkley class. And so it's because it, there's not that guy coming up this year. I think Traylon Burks is is really good.
1: He's a wide receiver. I was just gonna say, out, I think there's out, a couple off, receivers that could be there if they get okay. the right spot, yeah. yep, Yep. there's a couple of those guys, but I, I'm probably with you. I don't think that I mean, there's definitely not a running back in this class that's even close. Um, there could wow. be some, some odd things that happen on draft day that move values around, but I don't think any of that's going to make a big enough difference. Um, I've always been of the mindset, and I think I'm still this way, that I'd rather have the 22 than the 23. You get that extra year of production, extra year of knowledge and all that. But I do hear a lot of people that are just like, no, 23 firsts are worth more. And I guess it's it's the upside. It depends on what you look for in, in your draft picks, right? If you look for upside and you're going for as many lottery tickets as you want, then the 22 class isn't as attractive, right? It doesn't have that upside. So in that point, in those people's minds, the 23 class has a lot more upside. It's a bigger payout lottery wise. Let's go get those tickets. I'd rather have a ticket in that lottery than this one. So that kind of helps break it down. I like the way you put that. And I think that also explains, again, just where everybody values so many things differently. And again, like you put it too, like every team is different. If your team needs running backs, this year ain't it, you know, and and trading your first and 22 for a running back is a good move. I love that trade for Aaron Jones. I think that that's a terrific trade. And I think that's something that, I would be very happy with. So yeah, I'm right there with you on that one. But um, I guess, Scott, let's, let's hit you for a second here. What are your thoughts on the 22 and 23 class? Do you have anything to add to what Jeff said there? Is it pretty much hitting what you were thinking too?
2: Yeah, I'm on the same page there. I think we've, we've been spoiled with the quarterback classes uh, recently, and I wouldn't expect that to continue at least not for 22. So um, I am all about trading my 22 picks for quarterbacks when I can like, packaging not not just like a baker level but i mean like elite quarterbacks if i can get them and it it takes a pick to get there i'm doing it um even like a watson definitely yeah. willing to throw out a 22 first or a 23 first for a watson because you know by then he should be playing especially 23 um so yeah i mean i'm i i've really kind of turned the corner on I was all about like acquiring all the picks all the time I think just cuz it's fun yeah but uh I've just noticed that recently for whatever reason I mean I and it, mostly I was taking quarterbacks and I hit so well in Herbert um that that just paid off so well but now it's just kind of like I'm I'm in a position with a lot of my leagues that I'm I'm going for it I'm trying to win and I have no problem moving those first. And I don't care whether they're 22s or 23s.
1: No, that's a good way to put it, too. I mean, you don't want to worry too much about the future and, and forget about winning the title this year. We always say that, right? Titles are worth more than anything. Um, ultimately, what I end up doing is, is kind of what you're saying there, though, is if I'm rebuilding, I, I go for the picks because they're not going to decrease in value. I feel like this year they have. I feel like this year is the first year I've seen 22 picks kind of go down a little where like, the 20, people are just so down on the 22 class because there aren't any stud receivers, or sorry, stud running backs, quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler this week even, I think, kind of shook the core of a lot of people that were like, oh man, this quarterback class is terrible if that's the number one guy. I mean, so I think that there are some potential potholes that we might still see in the 22 class valuation as a whole, but usually the picks are one of the few things that you can get in Dynasty that, that tend to accrue value every day, right? The closer you get to the draft, the more important they get, the more valuable they get. So when I'm on a rebuild, especially on a team where it's just I have no chance, give me all the picks because at least I'm putting my assets in something that's going to accrue value. I can get out of those picks later. Uh, we all see it too as as the season goes along. You start to see players that are also rebuilding and they want some picks. And you're like, all right, I'll take uh, J.K. Dobbins. You know what I mean? Like pick a player that's hurt. You know, I'll trade that for you. You can have a pick. I've got six of them. I don't need one. You know what I mean? Some of that stuff happens amongst rebuilding teams all the time. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting, I don't know, let's say six months, right, as we head into the draft season to kind of see how this college season finishes up, see what kind of players are surviving. Does Ben retire? You know, does Juju retire? Like some of these crazy, you never know with receivers, right? T.Y. Hilton actually just came out. I think it was yesterday. I saw a report that said he had talked to Andrew Luck when he first got hurt. And was like, that was probably a bad idea because Andrew Luck was like, don't go back. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And I think that's something that I I don't want to say gets overrated or or missed, but I think that's something that maybe we forget about in dynasty. These are actual people that have a decision to make. And sometimes these injuries can add up. We've seen it happen a couple of times, right? Gronk left for a couple of years and came back because Brady needed him. Right. So there, it could happen. But I think again, when you're looking at picks and players, it's always about just, what do you feel comfortable with, you know, build a full roster, get something there and kind of make it happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to get your opinion on some of that, Jeff. I was glad to, uh, to get some Devi talk at least for a little bit as part of our junkies here.
3: Yeah. Happy to be there. Yeah. But I do want to say Malik Willis, if he catches first round draft capital, people are going to get nuts over him. So I'm just throwing yeah. that out
1: there. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. All right. So we're going to head next into our, find me a trade segment. we're going to wrap it up with this one today. So man, this week we got another great league, great trade uh, submitted by FF underscore medicine cabinet or at barrel Joffrey uh barrel's a fan of the show he submitted a couple rosters i think we've done a couple of his in the past um this team that we're looking at a bunch of
2: leagues with him he's i think i'm in one with him too. yeah
1: good good guy definitely like i interact with him on twitter all the time too he's a good dude yeah he's Um,
2: awesome
1: so i'll put the i'll put the team up here in a second but uh we're looking at a 12 team ppr super flex 1.5 ppr tight end premium four point passing tds negative two for interceptions so quarterbacks get a little bit of a ding on that Ah, uh, twenty-five man rosters and three taxis. You start eleven. It's a QB, two running back, two receiver, two tight end, and the premium, mind you. This is a massive tight end league, super flex, and then three additional flex. So he's got eleven starters, and two of them are tight ends. That's in a in a tight end premium. That's kind of where my brain goes first thing. Um, he mentioned in his uh, kind of review of the of the team. It's a rebuild, lots of young QBs and plenty of draft capital looking for assets to grab now before just being an all rookie team, which is never effective. Um, I'm going to say, first and foremost, I would agree with that. Being a rookie team as like a full rookie is is tough. I've got I've had a couple teams in my life that have gone that way and it hasn't been ideal. Uh, maybe that's the way to put it. <laughs> um, but let's take a look, quick look at his team and just kind of see what we're working with. I think that it's at least worth taking a shot at and seeing what we can do to help this guy. So he's got Fournette going tonight, which is great. But He's got Trevor Lawrence, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, TJ Lockett, Jalen Waddell. Tight ends this week. He's starting Ricky Seals-Jones and Tommy Trumbull. So I'd say there's a hole there. Uh, flex, he's got Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison, Kadarius Tony, and it's super flex Justin Fields. Not a terrible starting roster for a rebuild team. I think it's got some good bones. It's got some good youth. Um, good looking at the bench, we've got Geno Smith, Drew Locke, Trey Lance, at quarterback. So yeah, he was big on the rookies last year. Running back, you got Mike Davis, Samajay Pirine, Tony Jones Jr., Kylan Hill, Khalil Herbert. So that's an interesting batch of those guys we were talking about before, those handcuff type players. Uh, obviously, Pirine, who knows with the COVID thing, Mike Davis, he's on a bye this week, but we don't like what you're seeing out of him. So lots of question marks there. Moving on to the receivers, you got Amari Rogers, Tylen Wallace, and that Juwan Johnson kind of has double eligibility and sleeper. I'm not sure if that's even worth it at this point. But he is a tight end also. And then you've got Robert Tanyan, Hayden Hurst, and Cole Komet. So he isn't terrible at tight end. I will say the starters, I think he might be trying to tank here. Let's just put it that way. But Cole Komet, Robert Tanyan, they're not bad. Hayden Hurst, I don't hate for a two tight end and a premium. That's not a terrible three. Uh, his injured reserve, he's got Tua Tagovailoa and Rashad Bateman. It's not terrible. And then Taxi, Anthony, is it Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, and Jamar Jefferson. And then looking at the last thing, we got the picks. He's got a first and a second in twenty-two, a first, second, third in twenty-three, and then a first, second, third in twenty-four. So, I guess we'll we'll kick it over to you first, Scott, and kind of give us an idea of what you're thinking for this team. Where should he go? What kind of trade would you look for? And, and kind of break it down for us.
2: Yeah. So right now, where we're at, um, there's two five and O teams, and then there's an additional seven teams that are in the mix at three and two or two and three. So that's that's a lot of trade partners, right? Because you either have the guys that are going for it, and there's two of them, right? So there's not just like one team who's like, oh, I'm dominant. I don't need help. I'm not going to do anything. You know, there's two guys, 5-0. and o. And then that whole mix of guys is going to be, you know, some of those guys might say, hey, you know, I have too many injuries or whatever. I'm, I'm, it's not going to happen this year. But you're going to have quite a few teams. You have nine teams potentially right there. Um, that's, that's a good amount of trade partners to be able to get something done. Uh, it looks like the quarterbacks were fairly evenly distributed. There were a couple of teams that like didn't have any, (laughs) so that's, uh, that's a little rough. Um, one of the things, and and I'll almost kind of go back, uh, full circle here with what we were talking about early in the show. Um, I had a similar roster to this. Uh, last year. And I traded, I, I moved my veterans and I went for the injured guys. So I traded Drew Brees and Michael Thomas for Dak. And I made another trade that got me Josh Allen and I drafted and I had, you know, I had Herbert. So I had, you know, and now I'm sitting on, you know, Dak, Allen and Herbert and my team is very good It doesn't um, suck yeah <laughs> and it yeah and it, it it just it happened very quickly and so yep. i love the youth and potential at your quarterback position but n- likely not all those guys are going to be studs right so can you turn one or two of those guys into a potential stud can you go to the russell wilson uh owner and get russ for one of these young guys something like that um just looking through it quickly, it was hard to find like a, a perfect scenario like last year where Dak was out for the season. You're like, oh, I can target that guy because that team's a contender and they need a quarterback right now. Uh, that wasn't really the case with the Wilson owner. So, you know, for me, I, I know this, this trade is something I put out there a lot. Like, I'm obviously not a Fields guy, can't stand him, uh, can't <laughs> stand the organization he plays for. Terrible line, terrible weapons, everything about the entire. So I'm I'm going to move fields if I can. Or your 22 first is looking like it's might be the 101. Um, I gladly take Watson for that. So if you're if you're not that ballsy, I'm going to give you a second trade here too because I know not everybody <laughs> wants to go that route. Well, or to read just know, to depending re- on.
1: I want to recap real quick. It's fields or the first, not both. You're saying right? Correct.
2: one or the other just to, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I'm just, I'm just saying, Hey, maybe this guy's like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with Watson, you know, whatever, guilty or not. I just, I want him out of here. And I mean that that's, you know, if a guy wants somebody who can, who can play right now, or maybe it's looking at, Hey, right now that's the 101. So that might look pretty tasty yeah. compared to a guy who might be in prison. You know, which um <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, listen, it's I don't possible. know. There's there's a lot of scenarios, yeah. it's a it's a wide spectrum to what His can happen. His
1: floor is prison. So that's what I'm saying. That's... Like
2: it's it's a great opportunity in my opinion to to go after it. But again, if you're if you're not feeling that or if you're not interested in Watson, um, then I also brought up another thing. Now in this league, yeah, yeah, you nailed it, two tight ends. Um, I don't think your tight ends are good at all. <laughs> so well, again, part of it is, with
1: Mike, but go ahead. Yeah.
2: You have, you know, I, I love Cole Komet. He actually grew up like in the next town over from me. Um, he's very talented, intelligent, and I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. Will he be like a fantasy stud? Well, I don't know. Cause fields is his quarterback. And, um, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of an issue, um, for me, but, I think you need a tight end at some point. I didn't see any very obvious trade opportunities for you there. So the next thing I look at then is how can we move some of your vets, especially if you're, if you're on five and you're kind of, uh, tanking for next year, then let's get rid of some of those guys that can score points, especially a guy like Lockett who can put up 40 points any week. I don't, I don't want him on your roster. So that's, that was like one of the first guys that jumped out to me that I want to move on from him. Um, there was one of the team, this might be one of the five and zero teams, Joshua, Beware. Um, he doesn't, he has a couple good starters at wide receiver, but he doesn't have a lot of depth. So maybe you can get a, a piece like a Monroe St. Brown and his 22 first, give yourself a couple first to work with next year or to uh, flip for another proven piece. So that's kind of the direction I went with that. But overall, I think you need some tight ends, and I wouldn't mind turning some of your quarterback potential into proven uh, proven studs.
1: No, I like that logic. I like where you're going there. I mean, I think needing tight end is great, and then you offer him t- two trades that aren't tight ends. It's terrific. But you're also exactly right. Like (laughs) there aren't a whole lot of teams that have a lot of tight end depth in a two tight end league. I mean, it's just, well, that's fine. Yeah. 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 I hear you. I was just giving you a hard time, Jeff. What do you think about that trade? And then you want to get into yours, I guess, and give your opinion on what you think you should do here.
3: Yeah, I I can. I mean, I like Justin Fields probably a little bit more than Scott does, but um, you know, I I see where he's going there and I certainly don't blame him for making that swing on Watson. That's a guy that I've tried to target. It's, it's one of those that um, the people that have him at this point are fine. It seems like they're fine going down with the ship right now in in my experience. Um, And then, yeah, I completely agree on Lockett. And so that's where I went on a deal. Um, Yeah. Seeing that Leonard Fournette is kind of taking over this Buccaneers backfield, I think it's important time for this team to capitalize on, on that value and to move off Lockett. And earlier in the show, we talked about targeting injured players, and so that's mm-hmm. where I I did uh, the Leonard Fournette and Tyler Lockett for Jerry Judy because. Love that. Um, the team that has Jerry Judy, Justin T, he's very really loaded at wide receiver right now to the point where I don't know if Judy would even be a weekly starter for him. And coming off that injury, he's struggling at running back that team. I think he's starting Marlon Mack this week. And so if you're starting Marlon Mack, you're probably open to discussions about a running back, <laughs> especially if you're a three and two team. Um, it looks it should like be that, open that to team, it. you know, it's. It, it looks like that maybe they're a younger team because they have Jamar Chase, they have Cee Lamb, they have Devonta Smith, but at the same time, they have Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. So when you've got all those wide receivers, you're in certainly a win now mode. And so that's where a team that stood out to me that, again, by the dip on an injured player, capitalizing some of that value and, and push nudge one of these three and two teams towards a win now. And and I think that's something that you can consider too in dynasty that somebody might be on the fence and they might be sitting there at three and two. And they might be like, well, I'm getting by right now. And it's okay to kind of give them that jolt and say like, Hey, you can, you can go for this. Like here's some veteran guys. And maybe you weren't thinking that exactly. And your season started out a little bit better than what you expected, but why not push in for it? Because we all, we all like to win. And, you know, it it only takes the reality of it is with these leagues, you hit one year and you're paying for multiple years on it. You're paying for the experience multiple years, but you cash out one time and you've got yourself covered for years going forward. So uh, maybe this is one of those that he feels like he might have enough depth at wide receiver and certainly needs to address the running back position. And again, capitalize on Leonard Fournette's value and move Tyler, move uh, Tyler Lockett off while he can.
1: I don't mind that at all. I mean, you're, you're kind of, we're all on the same page really. My trade involves Lockett as well, but I think you're kind of, I like the logic too of like pushing a three and two team toward the top. Right. And it's kind of a way to look at this too. If you're, if you're not going to win, that's actually a really good move as a meta gameplay because the more teams that are better than you, the better you're going to be. So really, any trade that you make is probably going to help the other team this year. That's the whole point. If you're tanking, but kind of forcing one of those middling teams to the top means you're more likely to end at the bottom. And I like that there's that helps clearly define that separation. And it can also change that person's opinion, right? It could look at it. They could be like, "I'm three and two, but man, I don't know if I got the I don't know if I got the goods." But you know what? This trade, I'm not doing anything with Jerry Judy. He still might be out a couple of weeks. Fournette just blew up. He's having a great game tonight, right? And Lockett, who knows? He could still be terrific. and he, That's not a bad play. I mean, that's something that I could see actually getting done, too. So I like that one. I like that one a lot. Scott, do you have any feedback on that one before I hit mine?
2: Yeah, I actually like that Lockett trade better than mine, especially because of moving for net. Um, after seeing what he's doing tonight, any shares I have of him, I will be trying to sell. Yeah. Um, even if he takes over this backfield, whatever, I mean, I, I don't, I don't care. Just, I, I'm, I'm definitely willing to move him as soon as possible. Uh, just his, his play, his running style, his age, um, his past on the field, off the field. Like he's the type of guy that I want to see a blow up game and then I want to sell. So <laughs> this, yeah. And I love getting be out of like duty. So yeah, tomorrow, yeah,
1: tomorrow I, would be a I
3: good love day love to sell. Ball blow up game. That's everything.
1: Island game. That's what you want, right? Everybody's watching, everybody's seeing this and they're all going, I haven't seen Fournette all year. My God. I mean, they probably watched him against New England, but you get my point. Like this is a much better game for Fournette. I think this is exactly what you're talking about. So my trade is, is in a similar vein. Mine was a trade with the Omega ginger, which I just love that team name. Like, Oh my goodness. Uh, he is one of the <laughs> five and O teams. He is the highest scoring team in the league. So this guy is one of those teams that is in my opinion, anyway, Built to win now, but I'm not sure how, <laughs> like his team is a little bit weak, a couple different places. And I was like, you know what, if I had this team, and this is what I do with a lot of these is if I had that team, what would I be looking for? And the Omega ginger is again, nothing against the manager or the team. It's just, he's got Chris Godwin, or I'm sorry, wrong, wrong team. Sorry. I had the wrong team up, uh, but he's got, I think it's DeAndre Hopkins. No, yeah, it's DK Metcalf, sorry, DK, DK Metcalf, AJ Green, Devante Parker are his starting receivers in his lineup right now. That would scare me as a top scoring five and o kind of team. That is not ideal, right? Now he has uh, a couple other players on his bench, but like, you know, guys like Cobb and Boykin, Isabella, like those kind of roster cloggers, you know. He's also got Dalvin Cook on his team. So my trade was going to be to send Lockett, the guy that we all like sending at this point. Lockett and Madison, the handcuff, right? We just talked about Madison to that team for a 23 first and OJ Howard. So the logic here is it's be, it's too tight end. OJ Howard could see this guy's lineup. He just got a touchdown again tonight. So maybe he starts to see that and gets crept in there. But this guy's starting Mark Andrews and Anthony Ferkser as of this week. He doesn't have a lot of tight end depth, right? So this is a, a Durham Smythe. I think is his other one. So it's not like he's got a lot of tight ends to move, but I still like targeting a tight end because that's your weak spot. And then getting a 23 first, we just talked about it. Like there could be some value in those even throughout the year. Um, those might go up in value and things like that. So, My logic here is to send the handcuff to cook and lock it pretty much for a first. And then have him throw in Howard as kind of like, Hey, I'll take Howard off your hands and see what that becomes. Because I think Gronk's not there forever. Howard could become a guy, I guess we'll see, but I don't know. That's kind of where my head went with some of this. And and that also pushes that five and O team sending another pick, uh, you know, for a guy like Lockett, it could see his lineup and should see his starting lineup every week. I feel like that's a trade that guy might want to do and just kind of I don't know, ride that hot hand and see how it goes. So I guess, I mean, Jeff, let's start with you guys. What are your thoughts on that trade or, or any other thoughts in general on this guy's team? Well, we talk about Island games
3: and right now, OJ Howard is on an Island game. And so this, uh, that might change the perception of OJ. I know Howard it. Around it might the be game. tough right now. Yeah. Um, but, No, I I get it, and I I think that's a good deal. I think we're all kind of in the same page here where I think Lockett's really the guy that you got to capitalize on. It's less than ideal now that Geno Smith is the quarterback, but that is what it is. Um, But, yeah, I can buy it, yep.
1: Well, with with that, actually, there's a a nice segue there because there is a a pending trade. It looks like Beryl Joffrey sent out a trade to acquire Brandon Ayuk for Geno Smith, and it's to the cheesehead guy that has Russ Wilson right? So this is one of those like strike while the iron is hot, try to buy low on Iuk. I I love this trade. Obviously, Gino, you just picked up on waivers. I, you know, I can literally see it here for $31. He picked this guy up just this week on waivers and he's trying to send it to the Russ owner who probably needs him. Didn't bid on him, which is odd, but he's sending him for Ayuk, who's been up and down. But I think Ayuk is still a good dynasty asset for a team that's rebuilding. So, I mean, yeah, I think we're all on the same page. You, you definitely want to move something, get something done, pick a direction. Like I was saying in my article, even this week, like, Sitting where you are is fine, but you can do stuff every week. And I like that he's sending offers like this, right? This is exactly what we like to see for people that submit this. Like this guy is active. He is a junkie and he's fine with it. He's like, I'm sending like send more offers. Go find another team that's weak at quarterback. Send it Gino for their third receiver. Just see what you get. You know what I mean? Like you never know. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good spot to end it. But Scott, do you have any other feedback? I guess I want to make sure I finish on you too. Do you have any other feedback for this guy that we haven't gone over yet?
2: No, I think we covered it pretty well. Just any any other veterans that you have, um, I would just be looking to get rid of those guys. Um, it, it's just ensuring that you're going to get a higher pick next year uh, by by moving those points off your team. And Melvin I mean, Gordon is another one of those prime that's examples. That's the right, right way. That's the yeah. right way to tank is is moving those productive guys for for youth or injured players or picks i mean that's that's the way to do it ensure that number one pick for next year even if it's you know even if the class is, is perceived to be weak number one pick's always going to have value and yep. you know you can always use that to as a trade piece if you don't want to pick somebody
1: yep even if the class is you need a running back and the class is wide receiver heavy i always tell don't worry about your team at the draft right draft for value trade for need that's what we always talk about on the dap network i know russ is a big fan of that on trade addicts i know rocky's a big fan of that like don't worry about your team when you're at the rookie draft there will be somebody willing to pay high dollar for that 101 102 103 whatever it is you're gonna find somebody don't panic don't think oh i gotta reach i need a running back you don't it's march it's april it's may it's, you don't need any of that stuff like don't worry about that so yeah that's i think that's exactly. as good a place as any to kind of call that a day but I obviously, Jeff, really appreciate you coming on. It was terrific. I had a lot of fun with you tonight. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and what you got going on?
3: Yeah, you can find me Twitter for whom J Bell tolls the number four. You can find me with Fantasy Pros. I'm doing the Devi Primer that comes out every week. And then going for two, well, not going for two anymore. Going for two has got my heart. That's where I started, but I'm no longer with them. The, the uh, Devi Royale, uh, Tuesday nights at 9.30 is our Devi show. And then I do another podcast, 7 o'clock live show coming off the edge. And so just a lot of content coming out through there. So primarily the Fantasy Pros and primary the, primarily the Devi Royale, Tuesday at 9.30s
1: phenomenal no that's great and i know that you've got a lot of debbie things going on and college season is you know almost never ending just like the nfl anymore so there's always a bunch of new things and new new players to look out for new names to learn and all that so i love hearing any of that debbie talk so really appreciate you having you on and uh giving us some of your debbie knowledge (laughs) all right so so uh, oh our pleasure yeah so obviously you can follow the podcast at dynasty junkies uh follow the dap network at dap underscore network Uh, obviously we are the dap the, the Dynasty Addicts podcast network, the DAP network, if you will. And we will, as Russ always says. We love that. Uh, make sure you follow all the hosts of us. Obviously, I'm at, at Andrew Hall FF. You got Scott at Scott underscore Sidlow. Uh, Rocky, our third host, who's not here tonight. He was in the chat. But at Dynasty FF Addict, give him a follow. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Obviously, we love taking your feedback. If you have anything you want to give us, any, uh, any trades you want to send us, any posts uh, on Twitter that you want to tag us on, any polls, we, we love getting that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely DM us, DM us if you want to submit your team for Find Me a Trade. Uh, we are still accepting applications. We've had a, a bunch of them, obviously, and we've got a, a few still in the tank. But if you're really dying to get in here, let us know. Maybe we can get you in ahead of somebody. But for the most part, we're just here to have fun, talk Dynasty, and have a good time. So for everybody else out there, I don't know. Scott, take us away.
2: One last thing I did want to mention. I talked about Edwin Porras earlier at FB Injury Doc as his Twitter and injury prone. Get it? Injury Pro is his uh, podcast. It's a great listen. He's a great guy. Follow him. Part of Fantasy Points. Awesome night for Jeff Bell, for Andrew Hall. I'm Scott Sidlow. Junkies out.